There is so much unpredictability in today's financial world. To successfully retire in that environment, it's so important to get on track and stay there. And that's why Steve Davis and Sean Toll of Davis Wealth Management bring you the Path to Wealth and Wisdom podcast. And joining them today to help keep you on the right path, here's Peter St. James. I keep looking at the markets and it sounded like it was going to be a terrible year. It's not that bad. It may yet be. Well, you know, <laughs> you know but I keep waiting for the sky to fall, right. and it's not. I'm like, and then when there's one bad thing, but then there's a couple of mitigating things that sound good on the So it doesn't sound like it's all gloom and doom. It's never all gloom and doom. The, the market investors are, are uh, eternal optimists, right? That's, that's so. why we do yeah. this. And the stock market's been one of the greatest creators, creators of wealth ever devised uh, in this country. Uh, over the long term, we know that the stock market will increase in value it doesn't go in a straight line it goes up and down and up and down and you know so we're going to see some of that and there's a lot hanging out there this year between the war in ukraine uh between the fed not quite sure what to do with interest rates you know so so how do you get more proactive in this environment and less reactive because reactive is is you're late to the party you missed it so how do i get to be proactive you would have done that years ago. Okay. Right. But, you know, the, it, it's you can't be proactive with necessarily what's happening you know, today or, or next week, right? We're talking about being proactive in terms of putting a, a plan in place, being prepared for the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just talk about um, why you want to start saving when you're young. Um, oftentimes, people won't start putting money into their 401k or IRAs until they're, you know, into their 30s or 40s. It's really important that you start earlier with that. For instance, if a a 25-year-old put in 6% of their um, wealth on an annual basis, a 40-year-old would need to put in 16.5% of their, not their wealth, their income on an annual basis to have the same amount of money at at age 65, right? So the earlier you start- or 16.5%. Exactly. Wow. So the earlier you start, the better off uh, it's going to be because compounding interest is is just amazing. You know, I'd rather make 10% on 1,000 versus 10% on 100. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, And so over time, as you- when you're in your 20s- you know, it's college and maybe, maybe marriage uh, and a house and kids and how do you how do you do it? You have to. You got to create your budget, right? You got to. You need to create your budget. Understand, you know, how much you're spending. Yep. Um, at that age, you, the, the limiting factor is how much you're making. Okay. Yeah. How much do I make? How much can I now afford to spend? <laughs> right. And you need to make sure that you allocate some of that spend money into a, a savings component. Right. Hopefully it started when you were young and you were putting money into the piggy bank um, or, or, or set aside, you know, in your dresser um, and you and you get into that savings mode. Um, this is why it's it's one of the the little tricks to this is uh, payroll deduction. Right. Mm. Out of your paycheck. Yep. Have a certain amount of your money go straight to your 401k. And of course, you're going to get your, um, hopefully, your company match on that, right? So maybe four or 5%. It's free um, money. Is, it's free money. Yep. It's free money. Now, if you also have an IRA, you can actually set up with your employer in 99% of the cases them to take a certain money, amount of money out of your paycheck and move it straight to your IRA or your Roth or whatever it might be. So if you can do that, mm-hmm. it's out of sight, out of mind. You've never seen it. Right. It makes the budgeting process that much easier. Yep. Well, I know people that uh, they were leasing 
or or uh, uh, making monthly payments on a vehicle. Once the vehicle was paid off, they had three, four hundred dollars a month extra. Right. They were now splitting some of that money and putting that in retirement instead of just saying, "Hey, I got three hundred bucks, idea. I'm going to blow it." They were taking like two hundred yeah. uh, and putting it away. And I went, "Boy, you know that's smart. I wish I had thought of that." that that's a smart idea. Yeah. I like I like that. Um, put some money into you know into your retirement savings. I would suggest take the other half. Let's say you it was seven hundred dollars a month in a car payment that's now gone. Seven hundred. Take three fifty. What are you driving? <laughs> a ten year, a ten year. All wow. my vehicles are ten years old. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you take, let's say, five hundred. Is okay. that is that is that yeah, better for you? That scares me a little <laughs> less, but okay, yeah. Take five hundred, two fifty over to your IRA. Yep. Take the other two fifty, put it into us into your savings account at the bank. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe a high yield one, but maybe even set up a special account. Call it the future car account. And put that money in there, and then it'll build up. And then when, because you're gonna have to replace the car at some oh, yeah. point in time, um, and it's time to buy the new car, you can use hopefully what's a good chunk of change to then put down on that new car. Maybe you can even pay cash for it, which is nice because yep. um, you know you're gonna pay a fairly high interest rate on car loans, and if you start missing them, they're just gonna come take it. I say this with all due sincerity. <laughs> Where the hell were you when I was 22? <laughs> I could have used that advice, <laughs> but no. But yeah. it does. But as you get a little older and a little more perspective, you start thinking about these things. You start looking, but unfortunately, as you pointed out, ten, fifteen, twenty years has elapsed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, the longer the, the earlier you do this, um, the longer you have to benefit from that compounding interest. Some of the other things that you want to look at. Um, let's put it into perspective taxes right now. Okay. Um, well, I, I don't like paying taxes. I don't really know of anybody that does. Um, e- even those that are fans of raising taxes, when you talk to them, they do everything they can to pay as little as they, <laughs> as possible. Yep. Uh, but we're at really low rates right now. Yes. On average, about 100-year lows. Yep. Okay. It might not feel that way, but that's, that's the truth. Um, I really do think that we're going to see higher taxes in the future. Uh, they're, you know, Washington is dealing with with uh, with budget issues. They're spending a lot of money. They're borrowing a lot of money. Um, they're going to have to they're going to have to raise taxes because you can't just keep borrowing. Where I'm going with this, um, if you, I think we're going to have higher tax rates in the future and higher tax brackets. When you say future, a year, five years, ten years? Oh, I could see it coming next year. Okay. I could see it coming as, if not next year, 2025, when the 2016 Tax Cut Act uh, sunsets. We're going to go back unless something happens to the way it used to be. And even then, they weren't that high. Having said that, they're higher than they are now, Mm -hmm. high tax rates. So if we think in the future um, taxes are going to be higher and you want to reduce your tax future tax liability and take advantage of historically low rates, we could start doing some Roth conversions. There you go. For most people, the vast majority of their retirement savings are in pre-tax accounts. So yep. Those are your 401ks, your 403bs, your 457s, your IRAs, things of that nature. You can take that money, you can convert it into a Roth IRA. The money you convert, you're going to pay taxes on. So if you convert $20,000 this year, you're going to add $20,000 to your 1040 and pay taxes. But that will now grow tax-free forever. You'll never pay – it'll grow tax-free. And that's free. not factored in the RMD. <laughs> 
There's no RMD with a Roth. Right. RMD is a required minimum distribution. Um, the, when you turn 73, you're going to get a letter from the bank, bank meaning your custodial bank, saying you have to take right. a certain amount of money out. That's going to be for your IRAs and your 401ks and your 457s. And Roths have already, we've already paid taxes on them. And so there's no reason for the government to tell you to take it out because there's no tax revenue involved with this. So they allow you to keep it in there. Uh, so that's a great tool um, for minimizing taxes. Another one, which people often don't think about are HSAs, health savings accounts. Mm -hmm. They go in tax-free, they grow tax-free, and they come out tax-free. Uh, so that's incredibly powerful. You can only use it for qualified expenses. But I mean, that fact that, that it's basically triple tax free um, is is pretty um, in, incredible. Um, so you can use that uh, to put money aside and then you can use that in retirement. You can use it anytime you want. Uh, but you can use it now for paying uh, medical bills, but then in retirement you can use it as well. And the expectation is that we're gonna have much higher health uh, care costs uh, it, in retirement. Is there a magic number uh, in making a Roth conversion? <laughs> if I have uh, most of my uh, savings in an IRA, uh, do I take 5%, 10%, 20% and go into a Roth? Or, or just, I mean, I go on a whim, or is there a percentage I'm supposed to do? There's no percentage. I look at it, and at it on an absolute basis. Okay. So the exercise goes something like this. Uh, John and Mary, at the end of the year, um, we have made uh, $72,000, right? Okay. Between um, either their income, because they're still working, or it was their pension and their Social Security, whatever it is, um, and their 1099s. $72,000. let us say the next tax bracket, and I, this is not correct. I'm just making these numbers up. Okay. Let's say the next tax bracket hits at $100,000. Okay. That means there's $28,000 between 72, which they made, and 100. So I would take that $28,000 out of their IRA, convert it over to the Roth. That's still under. Stay below that next right. tax bracket. Gotcha. Some of those tax bracket jumps are sizable. Um, some of them are, we're, we're just talking a, a couple percentages, but right. um, try to keep it underneath that, that next tax bracket. Wow, uh, that that's how we that's typically how we look at it. Um, another thing you can look at if you're planning, we're talking about proactive planning here, mm -hmm. is life insurance. You can kill two birds with one stone uh, with this. If you're still working, and maybe you're raising a family, yep. and you want to be protected, if God forbid something happened to you, uh, you get hit by the proverbial bus. Um, you can buy a um, like a whole life. Uh, life insurance policy or a universal life insurance policy mm -hmm. that will pay a death benefit should something happen to you. Right. Now, by and large, nothing happens to us. And, you know, let, let's say we get into our 70s, right? Yeah, knock right. on wood, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we get into our 70s and we're still alive, mm -hmm. right? And we've been putting money into this life insurance policy. Um, it's considered whole life because it's with you for your entire life, whereas a term, or there, you can buy a 10-year or a 20 or a 30-year after 20 years of payments, for instance. It just stops. Right. Uh, with the whole life, it's there with you forever. Um, if you've done... Uh, it had a life insurance policy that allowed for increasing cash balance in it. All right, you put money, you put, you pay your premiums, and then some of that premium pays for insurance. Other goes into um, basically an account that grows with you over time. You can now borrow against that cash value later on in life on a tax-free basis. So if you think about that. Tax-free. Tax-free. You're taking money out of your life insurance policy. You're using it to pay the bills or go on vacation, whatever you want. Yep. You're not paying taxes on it. You're not going to pay taxes on it. I don't that. have to pay it back? No, you do not have to pay it back.
<coughs> I like that. I like that. Yep. Wow. So let's go talk about something else. And this is what I talk about uh, a lot at uh, some of the workshops we do, Peter. Um, and that is having a will and a trust. You know. Um, now, before we get on this, when you have these educational events, and you've had a lot of them over the years, do most people who show up have a will or a trust? I would say it's 50-50. Really? Yeah. yeah but, so they're that concerned to go to a, an educational seminar but yet they haven't done what you'd think is kind of basics. Well, sometimes what drives them there is they may have just lost a parent uh, or a relative who didn't have the proper structures in place, and they've had the unfortunate um, opportunity to go through the probate process, gotcha. uh, which is simply court-administered proceedings to, turn, to determine what happens to your estate. So if you pass away, even if you have a will, if you pass away... Um, in many cases, you, the, uh, your beneficiaries, your heirs, um, now are going to look at everything you own, the car, the house, your debts too, so your, <laughs> what you own and what you owe. Um, but it, it, you, they're going to add all that stuff up and you know, between the cars and the furniture and the houses and the jewelry and the stocks and the bonds and the gold and the guns and <laughs> everything, who gets what? Right, the family can't just determine what it is. They have to probably we'll talk about it, and then hire an attorney, and they go to a judge, and the judge is then going to determine how that estate gets split up, even in the presence of a will. Yeah, it's the will say. the will can dictate these things. Yeah, but you still have to go through the probate process okay. uh, in the courts for the basically for the judge and the attorneys to validate uh, that will, make sure it's accurate and and valid. But the courts won't go against the will. They can. They can. Yeah, they can because you could have uh, families fighting over it, right? You People get say, weird when money's on the table. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I, I mean, I see it time and again where, where children fight over, you know, dad's estate because mom, mom passed away, you know, years ago. But mom had promised the daughter certain things and the son other things. Um, and then when the dad passes, he had different intentions. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's horrible. So some of the things you can do. This doesn't come into play with the kind of the, uh, the things like the furniture and the jewelry and stuff, but your house, your car, um, you know, big ticket items you can put into your trust. Yep. And then what happens is if you pass, the trust then own. Well, the trust always owned those assets. The trust now um, specifically dictates um, the beneficiaries in there, and then those assets can transfer directly to the beneficiaries out, outside of the probate process. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to. Um, run an ad in the paper and do all that stuff that you have to do correct. in probate. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. And doesn't cost that much more to have a trust done than it's a, a will. couple thousand bucks to, to do a, a typical trust. Yeah. But uh, the wills. probate the probate process probate process costs about three to five percent. All right. To give you an extreme example, when John Denver passed away, yeah. um, I believe his estate was about twenty-five million, as I recall, okay. and they spent between five and six million dollars getting it through the probate process. He didn't have a trust. No, nor yeah. a will. Or a will. Uh, no, that's wow. my understanding is he had neither. So it took forever. So, or, or it costs a lot. Not only did it cost a lot, it didn't take the average of six to twelve months. It took years. 
years and years and years because what happened? And just siphoning off the estate. Yeah, well, it's siphoning off the estate because the yeah. family is fighting over yeah. it, right? And non-family members can can get into the fray now, right? Your your neighbor could show up with a piece of paper uh, that says, you know, Peter uh, owes me ten thousand dollars for or five whatever whatever the number. Peter owes me some amount of money for something, and you say to the judge, hey, look. Uh, I have this piece of paper stating that, that Peter, you know, owes me money. Now the judge has to take time and the attorneys to determine if it's valid. Wow. And if it is, there's more money coming off. There's more, there's yeah. more money coming yeah. off, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. <coughs> wow. Excuse me. Um, how long does it take to, to, to put a, a trust into place? Uh, well, it depends. The attorneys can typically do it quickly. The the. The people that tend to take longer are the people that are actually getting the trust. Yeah. We've got to pull together uh, a lot of information and, and, and provide that info to the attorneys. Um, it really just – it's a matter of weeks. That's what for, I thought. In most yeah. cases, yeah. Um, you know, that's for the average person. I think if, if people have a much more complicated structure because they have an LLC and some businesses and multiple homes and so on and so forth, um, it could be complicated. And then how they want the trust to handle their children. Maybe they have a special needs child that – you know, we're going to have a special, you know, piece of information or, you know, part of the trust for that. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say no more than a month. There you go. So, yeah. again, just uh, uh, with a trust takes no more than a month to put it together. And if you have a will and not a trust, uh, it could be years in the court system. It could be. I mean, it's typically not, but it can be. It could be. It can be. I, my friend's dealing with it right now. His uh, his son-in-law is creating all kinds of problems uh, for their family. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, sometimes people get a little crazy um, he, when, when these things happen, and um, you know, he's. I think he's suffering a little bit, but but he's causing problems for everybody else in the family. Um, and it's really unfortunate. Um, and it's so important, you know, if you're a, a retired couple, that you're both on the same page, that you mm. both understand what's going on. Sometimes, and I, I see it every single day, oh, my wife takes care of all the finances, or my husband takes care of all the finances, or I'm not involved in that, that part of it. Um, and they legitimately don't know. <laughs> they legitimately don't know. Right, right. Um, it's really important to make sure that both parties are fully privy to everything that's going on because if if the person that's quote-unquote responsible for the finances passes and the surviving spouse doesn't know where the bank accounts are doesn't know where the important information is doesn't know who the advisor is doesn't know any number of things it's going to be extraordinarily stressful and painful You've been listening to the Path to Wealth and Wisdom podcast, presented by Davis Wealth Management. If you have any questions, call 888-333-3818 or go online to daviswealthmgmt.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite apps. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Davis Wealth Management are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by Davis Wealth Management and guests on this radio show are their own and do not reflect the opinions of this radio station. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable. 
although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.